In a world full of stereotypes of what women should be, I help break down these barriers. Knowing that even the most confident of women has an inner dialogue that needs to be quietened down. This is the Real Women series. I am your host, Michelle Ashby, life and business coach and personal trainer. I speak with women from all walks of life about their journey, their challenges, and what helps them to show up just as they are. Okay, so welcome, Helen. Thank you so much for joining me on the Real Women series today. It's an absolute pleasure and an honour to have you here. It would be really good if you could just introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, and then we can take a bit more of a deep dive into what we're here to talk about. Thank you. And first of all, thank you for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure, honestly. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you, honestly. Um, So I'm Helen Rigby. I'm an actress, I'm a writer, and a Jungian life coach. Um, But I'm here today to talk about my cancer journey. It's not an easy subject to talk about, um, but I know I was 37 when I was diagnosed and I felt really alone. I felt like nobody kind of understood what I was going through. but what helped me was hearing other people's stories. So I wanted to share mine, that if it reaches one person and makes them feel less alone in what they're going through, then that is my mission. So, Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for obviously sharing this. I, I know it's such a big step um, and it's, it's a really big thing to actually share. But as you say, I think it's such an important message. So can you share with us more about those early days of leading up to your diagnosis and then go on to share with us a bit more about your diagnosis and what happened from there? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an unusual kind of diagnosis, really. Um, I had, you know, I started feeling kind of ill in the December and this was three years ago. This was December kind of 2017. I started feeling like flu-like symptoms. Um, But then I kind of felt like I'd almost recovered. And then I went on my friend's Hendo um, in the February and started feeling really sick, but just kind of thought, oh, maybe it's a bug or a virus or something. Um, Ignored a lot of signs. I started getting a lot of pain in the side of my body. Um, and I almost like I came home from the gym one day in agony and um, my mum was like we need to call an ambulance and I was like no 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 like I'll just take tablets and see if it's any better after it like I think for me then that was a crucial time for me to have gone to the doctor but you know hindsight um, so yeah then I had drenching night sweats um, I was really tired And then I went on holiday with my mom and I thought, right, I was going for a week to the Caribbean, sitting on the beach. And I thought, if after a week of just sitting down, doing nothing, if after then I still don't feel better, then I'll go to the the doctor. I mean, don't do that. Go three weeks ago. (laughs) Go then. Um, Anyway, 
I actually got worse and worse every day. Um, I couldn't walk up the stairs. I couldn't eat by the end of it. I was so breathless. Um, I am actually vegan. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm a bit anemic or something. You know, I was looking at Google, looking at symptoms. So I got back home from holiday on the Sunday. I went to the doctor on the Monday, um, had all blood tests. And then on the Tuesday, I got a call from the doctor to say, this is an emergency. Like, I want to call you an ambulance, but can someone take you to the hospital as soon as? Um, someone will be waiting for you when you arrive. So you can imagine like what was going through my mind. Like I was petrified. I'm like asking her like, what what is it like can you give me any clue and she's like no but you are seriously sick like you need to get to the hospital um I went into the hospital and there was someone waiting for me there they did all my blood tests again and then I was neutropenic which means that you're you're not producing enough healthy white blood cells so your immune system you don't have a good immune system to fight off infection so it's a really dangerous situation so, which is very common for blood cancers. So they put me in an isolated room as I was at risk of catching something. Um, they put me in an isolated room, gave me a mask to wear as well. So I was before all this pandemic wearing a mask. Um, and then, yeah, they did two weeks then of bone marrow biopsy, um, scans, blood tests, and it was a really unusual type of cancer. So it took a long time for them to really get to what the actual um, diagnosis was. So. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. just before we move forward in, in your journey and in your story, that's quite, I mean, just listening to that, it's quite a harrowing experience. Just mm -hmm. on that, how do you, how do you go from, you know, as we, we talked pre-podcast, you know, from being on the beach with a cocktail, yeah. to finding yeah. yourself without knowing what's wrong with you in hospital yeah. within hours? How, how does your brain try to even catch up with that? I don't think anything can ever prepare you for that. You know, it was complete panic, complete shock. Um, I, I, I felt ashamed as well because I thought I've ignored a lot of symptoms and I felt like I'd really disappointed myself um and just complete shock of not realizing that I was that ill and um also just to give a bit of a backstory that I know we've talked about you know I lost my dad to cancer and he had he he had an unknown primary which spread to secondary but they couldn't find the primary so he was diagnosed Christmas Eve 2009 and then he died seven weeks later because they couldn't find a primary. So you can imagine that when I was in the hospital, they're telling me, you're seriously ill, but we don't know what's wrong with you. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like this happened to my dad and just completely freaked out. Um, they also said like I had high calcium. I looked on Google don't ever Google anything. Do not Google anything. Um, I looked on Google and they said, high calcium is in advanced cancers. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And I just thought, 
that's me done like that is me you know um another reason why not to look at and um, not to look at google because actually blood cancers act a bit differently than normal cancers or different cancers so they do i was stage four but it can still be treated and can still be cured if it's in that kind of i don't quote me on this but the lymphatic system um so you can imagine i was absolutely petrified and i just remember sitting in the hospital um and i looked i looked outside the window and i just thought i can't do this you know it it felt too big it just i thought i can't face this and this was this was mentally this wasn't physically it was mentally for me to think this is too big for me to get through um but yeah i think for me i then just found this courage to you know the consultants and the nurses were great because they said to me cancer research and cancer treatment has come a long way in 10 years you know what happened to your dad was really unfortunate but don't go to the worst case scenario like we're going to find something we're going to treat you we're going to we're going to make you better so um they said just stay with it you know don't start thinking that because that happened to your dad that that's going to happen to you and that was really helpful and i guess for me that really helped was not looking too far ahead you know taking it step by step day by day and do not because what was the most difficult for me was the unknown mm. and that was the void that unknown that fear and unfortunately that that void you start filling with past experiences fear um images in your head and the worst case scenario so i think you know every time i started thinking that i was try to just be present and deal with what i've got in front of me right now and i'm still here i'm still at the hospital they're still finding they still don't know so i don't know so i guess that was you know what really helped me is just to keep going just keep going it's honestly it's it's really hard to comprehend but i think what i'm hearing is you're saying don't let your head go to that fear because I think that can be applied to so much in life. Yeah. We all yeah. have fear about certain things and I think fear can hold so many of us back. Yeah. We're actually going after and doing what we want. So what, what was the anchor for you? You know, did you have friends around you? Did you have family around you? Did you use any tools or you know was there anything that you found really helped try and pull you back into the present and anchor you because it's really it's easy to sort of say oh i tried to stay in the moment but then your mind goes ah, off again. yeah 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 how did you try and manage that i think just talking it out to be honest you know i i'm i love now and stuff like that but at that time my head was going there was just so many images and so much going on in my mind that at that point it was too much for me to sit with my own thoughts so it for me it was really really helpful to just talk to my friends you know i had um some incredible support and some incredible people and just knowing that 
other people were there for me and other people were going through that journey with me was such a huge help. And I had my friend as a coach at the time and she, um, her dad's a doctor as well. So he was trying to kind of translate like the doctor's terminology that they're giving to me, you know, like they're talking about like a trephine and stuff. And I'm like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like, help me, like what is going on? So he kind of translated that to like the layman's term almost. And my friend got me to sit with my deepest fears about what I thought it was. And my biggest fear was cancer. Um, my biggest fear was losing my hair. And so she got me to sit with that and say, right, come on. And we sat with it and felt the emotion of it, felt all those really horrible feelings. And it started to lift a little bit. I started to no longer be so afraid. And then I started to kind of look for solutions then to say, okay, I need to find, I need to fight this and I need to find a way to make myself better. And it kind of um, got me to get into that action mode almost, if that makes sense. It got me to kind of say, right, I need to get better, you know, mm -hmm. instead of just staying in this kind of, which is difficult, you know, it's really, really difficult. But instead of just saying in this, I can't see it, like, I don't want to look at it. It's like, no, how can I help myself? And then I started eating well and trying to get as many vegetables in and stuff like that. And I cut out sugar and stuff. And yeah, just tried anything really to make myself feel better. So, mm. yeah. Just so that you almost try to be as proactive as possible to give yourself the best chance, no matter what yeah. the outcome. Yeah. So you're in the hospital, they're doing all these tests, they don't quite know what's wrong with you. So then lead us on to the next part of the story where you receive the diagnosis and you talk about a treatment plan. Yeah. Um, so it did take two weeks. I was very fortunate in that my consultant said that I could go home, even though I was supposed to stay in the hospital they said I could go home as long as I stay away from people and which was difficult but we all know about that now in the pandemic don't we <laughs> um, and keep going back to the hospital to have these blood tests so I did get a call on the 11th of April um, 2018 my mum was making soup at the time and um, called me and said we found something but they couldn't tell me over the phone so um but they told me to pack a bag bring my mom and come to the chilworth ward which was the cancer ward so i kind of had a bit of a clue about what was going to happen um and you can imagine it's a 20 minute ride to the hospital so what was the stuff that was going through my mind i was like what have they found like but again i was just trying to take it breath by breath and just keep breathing and just keep going and not not try and pre-guess what they're saying and just to get there and hear it so yeah I got into the room um at one o'clock and had to wait for them as well waited in the room and then they came into the room and said we found lymphoma which is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma which is a type of blood cancer um and by the way you know we talk about cancer there's so many different types of cancer even so many different types of blood cancer, but also I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and I had a booklet that big with the different types. Like there's just so many different wow. types. Yeah. Um, anyway, he said to me that we found lymphoma 
Um, and honestly, my mum and I were just numb. Like we just couldn't react. Like we just, I wanted to kill him. Like I wanted to <laughs> just be like, you're giving me the worst news possible. And you know, he's amazing. He saved my life. Um, but it was almost like if I reacted to it, it made it true. And I didn't want it to be true. I'm like, I know that if I take a deep breath now and accept this, this means hair loss, chemotherapy, going through it, you know, it, it felt like too big. So anyway, then I got sent downstairs to have a lymph node biopsy just to double check that it was the type that they thought it was. And it kind of just hit me then. I was on the um, bed as she was doing it. And the nurse was holding my hand and I just like broke down. I was like, I don't know what is going on. I've just been diagnosed with cancer and I've got to start chemotherapy. Um, anyway, I went back upstairs and the Macmillan nurse suddenly gave me a big hug and was so re relieved that I was crying because mm -hmm. I'd just gone numb. I just couldn't. I was in complete shock and she was so happy to see, not happy to see me, yeah. but so relieved that it has kind of hit me. And then I think once it hit me, I was like, and I accepted it. I was like, right, I'm listening now. Like, what do I need to do? Like, you've got six rounds of chemo. And I'm like, right, and what? And they're like, this is going to make you better. So I'm like, okay, I'm on board now. Let's do it. Let's get started. Um, and because it was such an aggressive cancer, um, it had gone to stage four. It was in my spleen. It was in my lymph nodes. And it was in my bone marrow. Um, I started chemotherapy three hours after being diagnosed. So even chemotherapy itself, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it or freeze my eggs or anything like that. It was just like, here we go, you're starting it. And yeah, then I started chemotherapy. Wow, that doesn't, I mean, you could almost see the, the pros of not being able to think about it and start rather mm -hmm. than being sent mm -hmm. away. And, but then at the same exactly. time, yeah on the other side yeah. it's it's so extreme isn't it that yeah. it's kind of like yeah. this is what you've got let's yeah. go yeah so can you just go on to t to tell us a bit more about i guess the journey from there and you know mm. you've touched on your own personal worst fears um yeah. around cancer and i think so many people when they hear that word have an association yeah dying um like you say losing hair mm -hmm. um so you can you just share a bit more about your experience from that point onwards yeah of course yeah um so yeah my first question was you know they said we're going to start it now my first question was like is there any other any other thing i can do or look into and the doctor said you're not going to survive without this if we don't start you now so that, again, it's like you say, that in a weird way, that's taken away from me. So it was like, right, okay, I've just got to get on with it. Um, also, the I couldn't have the cap, because you can have like an ice cap to um, freeze like your hair follicles and stuff or whatever it does. Um, I couldn't have that because my cancer was kind of everywhere. That, so the chemotherapy had to go to every single part of my body. So I couldn't have the ice cap. So it was a given that I was going to lose my hair. Um, they did say, you know, everyone's different. It might just go thin. 
minded and I lost like every single hair on my body like I lost my eyebrows every single hair um but to be honest that was a massive fear for me nobody told me how long it would take me to lose my hair as well like I started my chemotherapy and I was in hospital that night nobody told me and like when I went to sleep I was getting up to go to the toilet and then I'm not joking I was like looking down at my pillow like thinking like my I don't know what I'm thinking but just thinking like the whole of my I didn't know I thought my whole hair would be there when I woke up I don't know what I was thinking makes sense now that it's like I think it's like two to three weeks after um it was petrifying for me I didn't just want to shave my hair off you know people say to you like oh if it was just me I'd shave my hair and just get it over and done with I'm like here's a razor like you know you go and do it then if it's that easy like just go and shave your hair off like um you know it's it was a part of me like I, I loved my hair um, it was a massive, massive fear for me. Um, it did start coming out two to three weeks later, just before my second dose of chemo. But to be honest, once it came out, it was almost like a huge relief for me now, then because I was like, right, it's done. It was more the fear of it and how I was going to feel, how it was going to happen. It was more, again, the fear of it happening then it happening and going, right, I can work on getting better now. I've done all that bit. Mm -hmm. I've shed that skin. I've kind of shed my hair. I can get on with getting better and fighting this. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, I don't know. It's something that, it's not something that I would want to go through, obviously. But at the same time, I said to my friend, like, it's really weird. But I was like, I've never seen like my head before. Like I've never, I've never seen it. Even when I was born, I was born with like a mop of hair. Like I've never seen it before. And my friend was like, I don't think anyone's going to be envious of you. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, that's great. Wonderful. But I'm like, do you know what? Like, okay, it's just hair. And I don't want to say that flippantly because I'm so happy to have it back now. But I did learn a lot. I did learn, you know, it doesn't define who you are. People still love you. There's still you underneath it all. And you are not defined by your hair. So, yeah. No, and I think that what you've just said is obviously a very natural fear. Mm. And I think speak if we you know if we spoke to so many different yeah. cancer patients especially females they would they would say the same thing but actually what what you've just gone on to say i think is such a key message for anyone irrespective of any kind of illness is that yeah. we are not defined by what we look like yeah yeah and yeah. it is actually about you as a person mm -hmm. as your characteristics yeah. and, and your values and and what you bring to life and to other yeah. people yeah. um so bring us up to speed a little bit in terms of the here and now and because you're here three years later yeah, i am beautiful head of hair <laughs> three years i know this isn't quite a true reflection of three years of growth because my friend's an amazing hairdresser so she kind of cooked it and styled it along the way like 
I would never, I would, you know, I'm not brave enough to have like short hair. Like I love having hair. I love being able to tie it up, but it was an opportunity for me to try out things that I would have tried before. So I had like a little spiky. I had like, you know, mm-hmm. I was cooler than I like I've ever been. So oh, I love that. Oh, so, so anyway, sorry. The point of the question, I got so lost <laughs> in my own hair. <laughs> like looking at myself like yes and my hair it's like no it's not why I'm here um so where am I now um I'm doing a lot better now um it took me a good two years to recover um and actually the annoying thing was it was this time last year that I started to feel better and then we had lockdown but that's life you know everyone had something or somewhere to be didn't they um but it did take me a good two years to recover and kind of honor my body of what it's been through and take the time to heal because I rushed back too quickly at the beginning. I wanted to do everything and be everywhere as soon as I could. And I injured myself. I got sick. Um, and it was, yeah, it was too soon. So I've learned to have patience with myself now and take my time respect my body um and also I I get really I get days where I feel like really really fatigued but I don't know whether it's now because I'm listening to my body like maybe I always had days where I felt really tired but I just carried on like I just ignored it and carried on and kind of made myself have a cold or something um but yeah I have days where I'm like that's it I'm clearing my whole diary sitting down watching films and just completely switching off yeah yeah I think so many people I think it's such a a a great point that so many of us override our body we don't listen to our body and you know I'm a big believer that our body is so intelligent that it tries to communicate with us all the time and you know it's one of those things that if you ignore it Mm-hmm. It will get louder and it will get louder and it will get louder yeah. to perhaps it yeah. stops in your tracks. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, a, a key learning and yeah. obviously anyone listening also just to try yeah. and tune in with themselves a bit more. So Definitely. throughout your journey, you know, obviously you, I'm, I'm sure you would have had so many ups and downs, days where you felt better and more positive than other days. What would you say is one of your biggest lessons or learnings from that whole experience that you would take away from it? God, it's such an interesting question. I think um, being worthy of living your own life, um, being worthy of your own dreams and desires and being worthy of not just living a you know somebody else's reality um being a secondary can being a secondary character in somebody else's story it's like i really kind of started asking myself what do i want to do in my life you know getting rid of the people pleaser like i was such a people pleaser of who do you want me to be um and it, and that i kind of felt like it was a real awakening for me to say this is your life this is your rules go after what you want um look out for yourself and it's okay to put yourself first 
like it's not this selfish thing that everybody kind of judges and says you can't go after that it's like why not it's your life like mm. stop waiting around and go after it go after what you want to do um yeah I think that was um I could I could talk all day actually about what I learned I think as well not being reliant upon this physical body that you're transporting yourself around in as well it's like you really have to get to know your soul um you really have to connect to what is inside of you and that was like a boot camp for doing that because I couldn't rely on anything you know I was sick um and I was so desperate for people to see me to see me through this weak body to see me through the hair loss um I was still there and more than anything I wanted to be seen and heard more than any any time in my life you know it was really that getting to know me and who I am um was a really big thing for me wow so did you through that did you feel that you actually took the time to take a step back and say actually who is Helen what does yeah. what does Helen want yeah and so so coming out of treatment and essentially getting the all clear and and moving forward in your life with this almost I guess new it's just like a new pair of eyes isn't it through which yeah. you see a new yeah. lens in which yeah. you see the world yeah. and how you yeah. see yourself did you come out of that with great gusto and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this or was it more of a slowly slowly how was that for you such a good question it's um I had this complete adrenaline to go after my dreams and be the person I want to be um but that slowly started wearing off if I'm honest um I slowly started slipping back into that people pleaser and getting a little bit more afraid. And actually the more my hair grew, I started to hide a little bit behind the mask a little bit. Um, so it wasn't until then I started doing this coaching course where I really had to take responsibility for myself as well and um, really start making changes about my beliefs um, and what I did think that you know what my beliefs were about how I saw the world um and that I am worthy to be heard I am worthy to go after what I want that was something that kind of only started a couple of years ago really when I was like I kind because I kind of had that adrenaline I had that big push and leap and then I started feeling back and I was like no 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 I can't go back to that person now I can't go back to that person of being a people pleaser and being the version that every that I think everybody else wants me to be. It's like, I can't do that anymore. It's exhausting. I just want to feel free and I want to go after what I want to do. And um, yeah, that was, that was a big step for me, to be honest. And did you find that step quite challenging? And the reason that I asked this is that, and, and you've already touched on it, you know, you, you touched on the people pleasing, which means you're having to say no to people. It's yeah. having yeah. to look at your circle of friends or yeah. your role in the family or, 
you know, it's, it's all of those things, isn't it? And actually starting yeah. to assess, well, who am I in each of these situations? And is that in accordance with now what my beliefs are? Mm-hmm. And that can be quite hard to start pushing back to those people. How did you yeah. find, because it is a transition, right? How did mm-hmm. you, did you find yeah. it challenging? Did you find it quite easy? Because maybe things have happened throughout your journey anyway. Can you share a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I did, um, I did lose a few friends. Um, I did, or maybe not even lose friends, but change, you know, friendships and friendships got stronger as well. Um, and yeah, I've got lost in the question now. Will you ask it me again? Because it's like, my ego has got back to be like, no, don't, don't say your truth now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, back to this, back to this. Back to the soul, back to the truth. Yeah. That ego back in the box, reconnect. Yeah, yeah. It it was. The question is, did you find it challenging to live in your truth? And I still do. I still do. It's still something that I battle with. It's still something that um, I drive myself crazy with a bit sometimes because I know when I'm trying to just blend in. And then it's like when I connect to that truth and I speak it, it sets me free. Um, and it is, I still battle with it. You know, I still have to keep reminding myself to put myself first and go after what I want. And it, it but you know, I, we're so, we're such good friends to people. And if we were to speak to our friend, we know exactly what we would say to our friends we tell our friends to put up boundaries um put yourself first you know it's okay to say no and we'd support them but I think when it comes to ourselves it's a bit more difficult so surround yourself with good friends you know surround yourselves with people that will honor that as well and pull you up on things and give you a hug when you need it not right now in pandemic but (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that okay so we're coming towards the end of our conversation today so I've just got a couple more questions that I'd love to ask you what knowing now what you know just from your life experience not just obviously the journey you've been on what advice would you give your younger self god um I think what I was saying before you know you're worthy of going after your dreams like that little secret desire that you have that you think is not possible for you it is you're just as worthy as every single person on this planet you're unique and you're special and you deserve to speak your truth yes (laughs) yes I love it I love it I love it okay and coming on to one final question so this is based on what you've been through, but broadening that term out to hardship, whatever that mm-hmm. might look like for somebody, what advice would you share with somebody that perhaps has been through hardship, is going through hardship, to give them some hope for the future? What would your advice be? I think, um, first of all, I, I was saying before that um, taking it step by step, you know, taking it day by day, don't look too far ahead ask questions ask questions to the right people you know ask the consultants or whoever is helping you 
um, and don't suffer alone. You know, I think that feeling that we feel alone in something and we feel so, I guess, so separated is actually what brings us together. That feeling in loneliness, we can all relate to, you know, and if we all speak up a little bit more, um, we all share with your own privacy, you know, you'll realise that you're not so alone in it all. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Is as humans, we all crave connection. Mm, And as as you quite rightly said, it's connecting and sharing with the right people that you have that trust and privacy with. Um, But to know that there is hope, but there's just touching on, you know, what you said about taking it day by day, hour by Mm. hour. I was listening to you as you talked about driving to the hospital and mm-hmm. at that point, you even went a stage further and said, yeah. breath by breath. Breath by breath. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it was so overwhelming. You know, if I was waiting for test results or something, it was like, just keep breathing, just keep breathing and bring yourself back to the present moment of where you are and what you're dealing with right now. And just keep breathing. Take it breath by breath. Incredible. Thank you so much. Honestly, thank thank you you so much. So I know that you've been sharing a bit more about your journey on your own Instagram. So if people want to join you and find you, how can they do that? So I'm at Helen S Rigby on Instagram. And yeah, I'd love to love for you to say hello. And yeah, thank you for giving me this platform and inviting me on. You're so welcome. Thank you. And we will include all of that information in the show notes and in the text below the IGTV. And I know that you and I spoke pre-podcast that we will also tag um, some organisations and charities that if anybody unfortunately finds themselves in this situation that they can reach out for help so that they don't feel so alone. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please rate and review us. Perhaps you know someone that would find strength from listening to this episode. I'd love you to share this with them. You can find more about my services, coaching and programs at www.michelleashby.co.uk or find me on Instagram at Ashbury and on LinkedIn, Michelle Ashby.